The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, you know, um, when I was at the uh, at the Beeb, I had what was called, I, I think, my, my Bob Dylan moment. I think we've talked about it, haven't we? When I, I, I announced him as, well, it's past, um, and he wasn't. Honestly, Bob Dylan, R.I.P. I know. Well, I I, I didn't. No, well, I didn't announce that he died. I just said, you know, something about a song. I said, wouldn't it be lovely if he was still with us? But anyway, moving on from that, because that is quite a few decades ago now. I had another one uh, last week, but on this show. When I announced that uh, um, people like Bob Carlos Clark and um, I know what you're going to say, and Don McCullen didn't print, and of course they print. Of course they print. And I got yeah. pulled up, didn't I, by John St. John Smith. Um, Quite right. Who, yeah. Um, well, I don't, why didn't you correct me at the time? Because you knew this as well. Well, because you were going off on some weird <laughs> tangent about, you know, this, this other photo- uh, printer and stuff. And Robin Bell, thinking, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love Robin Bell's printing work, you see. And yeah. so I, I was sort of stuck on a Robin Bell thing. And, of course, uh, yeah, I got that entirely wrong. So, But in your defence, the, the photographers we were talking about didn't print all of their stuff. Most of them, well, some of them did it more towards the latter stages of their career and stuff. Yeah, A lot of their commercial stuff and everything went off. But, um, yeah, I mean, you were wrong, but I think with caveats. Yeah. Well, I didn't edit it out of the show last week, and I thought we'd just make it our little, little piece before the uh, the theme tune here. The Fuji cast. And then it's all back to normal, and I shall no doubt make another gaffe very, very soon. How are you, Kev? Yeah, I'm all right. Existing. <laughs> oh, Kev. Well, welcome you know to... what I did last night? Oh, no, go on. My foot was getting a bit better. I was Ooh. thinking to myself, well, you know what? I, I fancy I might be able to get out for a run on the weekend if Ooh. I, you know, if I'm, if I behave myself. Yeah. And then I was having a shower last night, yeah. and I thought, oh, I need to, I need to put the, um, I need to put the macaroni cheese in the oven because to finish it off because um, Rosa and Gemma will be back from the stable soon and it won't be ready. So I put my my dressing gown on. I, I went down the stairs, halfway down the stairs or towards the top of the stairs. I, I thought to myself. Uh, oh yeah, I need to. I better wipe these stairs because one of the kids going to fall down on the water. Right, because we've got wooden stairs. Yeah, yeah. And as I thought it, I went down the stairs oh. like like a four year old would fall down the stairs. No. I went flying. Oh. Hurt my elbow, hurt my arm, re-hurt my foot. Albie came out of his cave. You all right, Dad? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right, son. Did, all right. Did you hurt your coccyx? Oh, no, my coccyx is about the only thing that doesn't hurt. Okay. Well, at least there's action in the Mullins household tonight, then. <laughs> I was never very good at biology before John St. John Smith uh, corrects me on that one. Um, welcome to the Fuji cast and um, a, a sort of injured Kev, then. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you're not a Fujifilm shooter, it makes no odds. You're still warmly welcome here. You're probably wondering what the devil is going on. Um, thank you to our friends uh, in the uh, the Patreon group. And, of course, we're going to do some bump to the fronts in, in a moment's time. Send your questions in. It's a show all about questions, isn't it, Kev? Send them to click at fujicast.co.uk. And today on the interview, we've got... Oh, you've been having a lot of fun of late. You've been doing the interviews. Um, I've been doing some interviews. Yeah. I know. Jenny McCord. What's, what was Jenny like? Jenny's lovely. Yeah, I mean, I've known her for a while. Um, but, yeah, she's, she's, she's got the, the, perhaps, most perfect job. We'll leave it to the interview. The perfect job? Yeah, I think right, so. Okay. Well, one of the, for a, as a photographer, yeah. probably one of the things that a lot of people will be very envious of. All right, okay. Well, say, say no more. We'll, we'll wait for yeah. the interview then, shall we? Yeah. 
Right, a reminder of the email address before we start. Click at fujicast.co.uk for any questions about photography. That's what this show's all about. Last few weeks, we've dealt with everything from um, street shooter lenses. I have a feeling we will be again to contracts, to how businesses, anything at all, click at fujicast.co.uk. And before our very first question of the week, a word from our friends at Sprout Studio. Sprout Studio is an all-in-one studio management suite built for photographers by photographers. You get your CRM, galleries, email marketing, scheduling and bookkeeping all in one place. My name is Brian Capricci, and I'm a Fuji photographer, having photographed weddings and portraits for 15 years now. I'm also the CEO and founder here at Sprout Studio. This Black Friday, not only can you save, but we've gathered everything you need to redo 2020 and start next year on the right foot. Visit SproutRedo.com slash podcast to learn more today. Right. Um, should, we, uh, should we delve straight? I'm sorry about your, your fall down the stairs. You are okay, though, aren't you? now uh yeah i'm all right i'm okay i can't you know that thing sometimes where you can't lift your arm very high mm. lazy that. do you mean lazy L- laziness in my left yeah. arm yeah i've got laziness in my left arm i've got uh, terrible things in my right foot <coughs> jeez you're falling apart but the good thing is is there's like five games of rugby on the telly this weekend so <laughs> I'm just oh gonna... hang on a minute now it all makes sense yeah. there's nothing yeah. wrong with you at all there's nothing wrong with you at all you've you've uh, engineered this so that you can just sit there with, <laughs> your, myself you, with your beers over the weekend. I bet you, you threw something like some sort of kettlebell down the stairs, so Albie came out, so there's your cover. And, and you've just signed yourself off for the weekend to watch rugby. I, um, I've got my projector ready. It's going to be, yeah. I'm going to have it yeah. eight feet wide on yeah. the living room wall. Uh, I, yeah, I know exactly what you've done. Yep. <laughs> it's see-through and i'm phoning Gemma. i'm not having any of it oh Gemma knows i told her i'm gonna i'm gonna treat her to some fizzy wine and an eight feet wide rugby tonight <laughs> she'll be delighted <laughs> questions oh we've got some bump to the fronts first eric joseph hi neil hi kev wondering if you could recommend it well this is this is definitely up your street kev if you could recommend a book or other resource to learn more about photojournalism and stroke or documentary photography I realise there are likely videos out there on YouTube land, YouTubeobia, but I'm I'm looking for something deeper as I'm thinking of creating a project combining photojournalism and the study of personality for my personality psych class. Wow. Blimey. They do classes in all sorts these days, they don't do, they? They do, don't they? Yes. Well, actually, funny enough, I have a book right in front of me that I'm holding in my hand, in my good hand, and it's called Understanding Photojournalism. Hmm? Oh, is that you today's know? book by any chance? No, it's not. Oh. But I, 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 while I was uh, scuppering around this morning looking for a book to bring in, I thought I'll bring that because I do rec- remember seeing something come through in a question. So Understanding Photojournalism, it's by uh, two people, Jennifer Good and Paul Lowe, L-O-W-E. Uh, it's a book I've had for a long, long time. It's a textbook. Okay, so it covers things like ethics and, you know, it will kind of cover power and representation. Uh, So it's about the the study of photojournalism rather than the taking of the pictures. Um, So, for example, I'm just looking at a chapter here, which is uh, titled The Single Image and the Photo Story. Okay, so it's really good. It's a... um, uh, easily available i checked bloomsbury print paperback kind of a five size stick it in your man bag 
um yeah there you go so it's published by bloomsbury it's um by jennifer good and paul low understanding photojournalism and it's nice so it talks about the ethics and the laws and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's need. not it's oh, not oh, a oh. how to take pictures. It's yeah. more about how to be a photojournalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that was a good answer, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very good. Um, the other two that are bumps to the yeah ten 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 points for that uh, bumps to the fronts bump to the fronts. Um, are really just comments, but I'll read them anyway. Uh, Tim helps. Um, having you guys entertain me while while in the car for 150 episodes, the least I can do is donate some dollar dollars, at least for a while. One big success I think uh, you have with the cast is steering clear of politics. Right, I wanted to talk to you about Donald Trump. Do you, do you want to talk about Donald Trump? Is he worth talking about? Don't be rude. Oh, don't you start. You're going to have to get a new one for, I know. for Biden. I well, I was looking for one the other day. Um, I will get one. Uh, and the other one was from Lev Pertsov, uh, who loves the podcast as well. People give me strange looks, says Lev, uh, when I burst out laughing while walking my dog in the morning. It's all your fault. Keep them coming. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, uh, that's very kind. Yeah. So for those that don't know what Bump to the Front is, they're the, they're the people that have kindly supported us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fujicast. And uh, we, we, we kind of um, yeah. up upgrade your questions so to speak it's like getting onto an aircraft and turning left which i've which i've rarely done i've only done it once in my life or something but kev whenever he gets on one he doesn't even know what a right turn is anymore (laughs) (laughs) we've been watching uh albie's really into flight sim at the moment and he's we've been watching all of the the easy jet um film tv shows uh, and it's all about the pilot training and everything it's really interesting a lot of those 18-year-old pilots don't know how to fly aeroplanes. I'm just going to say that. What? Well, not, and you shouldn't say that about EasyJet. They, obviously, they go through the training process. Just be careful, Kev. Well, yeah, no, the, the, pro- the program is about their training process. Oh, is it? These, these people look about 15 years old. Well, I know, but you kind of... Yeah, I know, I know. It does feel a bit weird. I got onto um, another popular airline uh, not so long ago, and the, and the captain came out and I thought, blimey, look at you. Who gave you that costume to dress up in? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Driver. Do I have to tuck my shirt in before I start putting the, 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 the gears down? <laughs> What's this it. big handle here for? Does oh. that go up or down? I was watching them. Um, yeah, for some reason, you, my, my algorithm um, that's churning out stuff for me to watch on, uh, on YouTube, and it's because the kids use my account in the house, mm. um, mm. It, 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 I know exactly what they've been watching, what kind of stuff they've been watching, because that's, that's the stuff that's served up to me when I go YouTube.com return. And mm. at the moment, I've got lots of stuff on aircraft, and most of it is disaster sort of stuff. But oh. it's light disaster, not the heavy, heavy disaster. So, for example, I saw a tug the other day. You know the tugs that they use to pull the aircraft out and push them and pitch them yeah. around? And this guy was a bit overzealous. And he connected with the, uh, the front wheel, obviously, and pulled it into position. And then, uh, and then obviously, he'd forgotten to properly disconnect it or something. And he got back in the tug, and he went to go whizzing off the other way. And he pulled the front wheel out, and the whole nose went... <laughs> on the floor <laughs> and, the, and the and the tug stopped and they all got out and they looked like they were scratching their head a bit and i, I was thinking how on earth can you say oh just scratch your car sort of thing because it's not that you can't sort of say oh i don't know it wasn't like that when i left it <laughs> yeah it's 60 million airplane there was a bit of this easy jet thing where they had uh the, the, the pilots had landed and they needed to go and park and they'd missed their 
the, the, the ground crew guy clearly said over the radio, turn left, and she turned right into the wrong hole on the runway, which caused all kinds of problems. And so the air traffic controller came on, and he was like, uh, excuse me, madam, what are you doing? And she said, she basically blamed air traffic, uh, blamed ground control. Said, ground control told me to turn right. And the air traffic guy said, ground control, no shit. <laughs> Turn left. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard the captains arguing with air traffic uh, ATC uh, with air traffic control on the way down? That's another. That's a really interesting. Look that YouTube. Uh, f- those for YouTube films up. The arguments yeah. they have while they're up there arguing yeah. with air traffic control is quite funny. Anyway, where were we? Is it? I don't is, know. is it something your, to do with cameras? Is cameras, it your? Is it today? Yeah. Is it your question? Go for it. Uh, it is my question. So we're going to go to the Facebook group for the question. You can post your questions on Facebook. Remember, there's a thread at the top if you are a member of the group and this is from Stu Weir and he says hi Kevin and Neil big fan of the show yada 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 uh, question for you Kev hmm. you can go home Neil if you want um, <laughs> do you know if the upcoming 18 mil f 1.4 WR which is the new uh, newly announced but not yet available 18 mil is a result of video needs or because many Fujifilm X photographers have been requesting such a lens Hmm. I wouldn't have thought it was for video needs, would you? I mean, I, generally you don't re- release prime videos for uh, pr- prime lenses in that range as a as a video lens, do you? Really? No, I, I don't. Oh, I, I mean, you're you're more um, adequate to answer the video kind of thing. Mm. Eighteen mil. Mm. That's what's that in in full frame equivalent? Twenty in the late twenties, isn't it? Twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty seven and a half or something. Yeah. I do remember being in uh, in a product meeting in in um, uh, Dubai a while back, years ago, and and they were like, "What? Which lenses should we make next?" And a, and a lot of us did put our hands up and say, 18 mil. We want a new eighteen mil." Um, and they, they subsequently ignored us. <laughs> so, but in the yeah. end, they got there. Here it is, yeah. Um, so maybe maybe it is peer pressure from the ex-photographers, but I suspect it's more to do with sales. You know, they say they say with all camera manufacturers that uh, camera fan- manufacturers don't make money on bodies, they make money on lenses, I think. Yeah. And so I suspect it's to do with sales. I think that lens will fly. Yeah. As long as it's small enough, um, I mean, it won't be it won't be huge. I would imagine it will be similar in kind of size and weight to the uh, to the f two lenses, really, uh, like the thirty five twenty three. I'm hoping yeah. in build. Um, I'm hoping it won't be like the twenty three mil f one point four, which is quite big and wide. Yeah. Um, sensor uh, the lens technology has moved on I suppose and you know the weight of the body the weight of the lens body can be less mm. um, yeah because obviously the current one is a pancake lens um, and it's uh, you know well, practically a pancake lens it's titchy isn't it much that, more well, yeah. wasn't that yeah. um, uh, that was the favourite lens of uh, oh who was using that we went to Brighton with Patrick Larocque didn't we Facundo and Facundo of course sorry Facundo you Facundo were there as well Banana. oh dear um, and uh, yeah they both love that lens I think they were both using that for, for that salty weren't they yeah Facundo definitely uses it yeah, yeah. Mm. okay yeah. Um, if you're wondering why, because you you sound a little bit different this week. Last last week you were in your front room, but have you got fed up with the dog attacking you and stuff? Because now uh, I'm now in the studio put, today. You put yourself um, in the studio, which sounds a little bit like your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I should have thrown the blanket. I would have thrown the blanket over me if I had two hands to use. Uh, okay. I um, yeah, I'm in the studio today. Uh, um, <clears throat> right, question. Steve Weller has written in. Stephen Weller. Hi. Now this is a morbid question. So stand by, Kev. Warning, warning. A um, bit of a morbid question, but one I found myself um, after waking up at three o'clock in the morning asking. 
Not sure why, but I started thinking about what would happen to my weddings if I was to pass on. Now, <laughs> I, I know if we couldn't photograph a wedding for illness or another situation, we can rely on the back of our fellow photographers to step in. We'd call them directly or put a shout out online. But what would happen if you suddenly passed away? Is there somebody in your family or an associate who has access to all your upcoming wedding details and couples' contact details? In my situation, I use a CRM to store all the wedding info and couple details. So that means I have to log in using my username, password, blah, 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 blah. But if I'm not around, how could anybody access this info? And how would a family member know where to even start contacting the couples to give them the bad news? Do you have a process for this extreme situation? If not, what would you do uh, if that situation occurred? Told you it was a morbid question. Love, Steve. <laughs> uh, well, I don't care, frankly. If I'm dead, I'm dead. That's, that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, myself and Gemma, we're going to have to deal with the fallout of this. Because <laughs> um, I know she's going to call me. Yeah. Well, after you know, she's called the plumber, obviously, that nice lad that comes round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Him. Um, um, no, I honestly, that is not something that's ever passed my mind. Uh, I would say that we're all in the same kind of situation in that, you know, Apple passwords, I don't have any of them, but like Google passwords and OneDrive and Dropbox and various other things. I, 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 I do actually store all of my passwords in a secure online password app. Um, and of which Gemma does know the the log onto that. So I suppose that does answer the question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's not something I certainly I don't know. You you know, waking up at three o'clock in the morning and thinking about that mm. is that's too much cheese before doing, before bed <laughs> and wine. Way too much cheese. If yeah. you're a, if you're a limited company um, and with directors and due diligence and things like that, you should really have a company bible. I always thought anyway. I, I, I certainly, I was in charge of the company Bible when, uh, when I had a, when I was involved in a, what was a PLC, and that was uh, one of my tasks was to make sure that the company Bible was was up to date with what would happen if uh, scenarios. So I, I do actually have a what would happen if scenario in a folder with with uh, those instructions in it. That's very morbid, and isn't in it? In your company Bible, mm. was there a section that said who would update the company Bible should Neil? pop off this mortal coil no did you know that's the only question it doesn't really answer mm, see but, well, there you go yeah be stuck uh, wouldn't it yeah it's like an ever decreasing circle what happens next i don't know well <laughs> I, I i know i'm i'm giving you all my equipment kev <laughs> <laughs> i might get some of mine back then <laughs> <laughs> you might get that what's what's the one i've got is it 35 mil 35 let me have a quick yeah. look 35 just in case things have changed in here <laughs> Because I did have a clear out the other day, and I, I was I was looking for a, a flash. No, I don't have it. Still not there. No. Well, <laughs> if, still don't if I it. go first, you can have my overdraft and my bounce back loan. Oh, thanks very much. There we go. Oh. Can I have <laughs> and git? all my equipment? Can, can I have git? Oh no, I'm a general want git. And the no, kids no, no, want git. No, you, I, I, I'm, I've heard you say it now. I'm going to put him in the post <laughs> this afternoon. That's yeah. it. You I'll can even have, do a special delivery. You, you can have him regardless whether I'm alive or dead. You're having git. <laughs> it's a good question, though, Steve. And I know we're yeah. we're sort of gallows humour around it a little bit, but um, it's it's worth thinking about a company bible. Very very basic, very simple one. The what what happens if um, scenario, uh, just with your your passwords, obviously, and and just a, like a flowchart of things to do. And I don't believe. 
Uh, unless your organisation's really large, I don't believe it needs to be too complicated at all. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I, I would just just put everything in a password app and give your wife a password, That's right. or your husband, or your kids, or yeah, whatever. Right, your question. Away from the mor- morbidity. Yeah, blimey. Moving on. Um, okay, so this one is from Hubert Cowell from Menomini in Wisconsin. From where? Men, men, Menomini. 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 Cue the song. Uh, sounds great. Song. That sounds have like you, one of those Australian names, doesn't it? You know, they have these weird names in Australia. Oh, they do in America as well, don't they, actually? Yeah, it's in Wisconsin. It's still Wisconsin. counting in Wisconsin. I think they are. Have you ever done any work <laughs> no for any of the royal family or any of the royals, it says? Oh. If yes, funny, weird experiences you wish to share. You have. Uh, I Well, I didn't, I didn't do work for the royal family, but there were royal family members there. Oh, yes. right, okay. Yes. So I photographed... I'm not really sure how much I should go into this. Let's just say I photographed yeah. the wedding of a... I photographed the, the brother... Oh, i tell you what, I can bleep it out. So just say it and I'll bleep it out. And that'd be great because people will be thinking, who is he saying? Okay. I photographed his brother's wedding. No way. Yeah. And however, I didn't know. They didn't tell me this. And halfway, just before the speeches, I sent a message to Gemma. I took a picture on my phone and I texted her. I said, I really recognise this Do you know who he is? And she said, yeah, that's And there was a little incident with his daughter, who is... um, Don't give me too much to bleep out. I might forget one of them. (laughs) What's her name? Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, Well, we should probably leave it. (laughs) (laughs) This is getting getting, um, a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think... (laughs) So what did you, in, in, I, I think the question is, how did you approach it? And were you, after you found out that it was, um, how did you approach it? Did you, did you sort of think, oh, I, I, won't, I won't look like I'm interested in taking photographs now because it might seem like I'm a bit, bit keen or no, something? No, no, no. I actually thought, oh, my God, I better get a few more pictures of Oh, right, then, you went the other way, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then I looked at the, I took a photo of the, of the, the place setting, you know, the dinner, you yeah. know, the name list of all the names. Yeah. You, I, ne- I you never that do that. You never do that usually. I, no, no. Well, I, I didn't take it for them. I took it for. Um, <laughs> just so I posted it and I sent it to Jebba. Yeah. And uh, and she was like, "Oh yeah, that's he was on that film. This is an MP. Blah 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 blah." Blimey. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I bet best." Um, there I was in my best scruffy mm. photographer outfit, no tie, Columbo, you know, right? Two different shoes, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was like, "Oh dear, yeah." But yeah, there was a substantial moment during that day that um, was uh, was a bit of a. Well, I think it's very funny. I'm yeah. Not sure she did. You probably can't say though, can you? No, it's one uh, for the. They love their pictures though. One for the and pub. Very, 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 very mm. nice. Yeah. Everybody there was very nice. How would you approach? Um, um, <laughs> I know I, I speak to quite a few <laughs> photographers within the the Photography Daily Show now that have had experience of photographing the royal family and have done portraits. And uh, I'm always fascinated to know how they approach it. And they're always a bit sort of um, shoulder shruggery, you know, kind of like, well, just the same as anybody else, really. I, I don't really I don't really change it. And, you know, there's a few more protocols to, to observe. But apart from that, don't really approach it in any different fashion. Yeah, I think I'd like to think I'd be the same. I, I don't I, I'm not one for starstruckism and all that kind of stuff, of course certain things you have you know if they say you've got three minutes to do it and you must not talk to them then so be it but i wouldn't you know i I, yeah i don't really go for for that kind of um people are different everybody's the same in my mind 
Right, okay. Regardless what hat you wear. Um, keep your hat on. One from Peter Foote. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Thanks for the great show. Very entertaining and informative. Uh, a question for you both. With the ever-increasing specs of smartphones and the latest release of the new iPhone 12, bigger sensor, wider aperture, 10-bit, HDR, video, on the basis of printing ever-increasing sizes of images from an iPhone 12 Pro Max and a typical camera from the Fuji range, at what point of print would a discernible difference be noticed in image quality? Ditto video. My question is based upon everyday snapshots, really. So this is not really based upon using this professionally. Although we did earlier on this year, or was it the end of last year? I can't remember now. Um, talk about somebody using a, a, you know, a smartphone at a wedding, didn't we? And uh, back, back in the normal world. Yeah, back in normal days. Uh, yes, we did. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of this going on at the minute, isn't it? You know, the new iPhone is is brilliant, by the, and I've seen some amazing stuff from it. Uh, you've got the new AI technology that seems to be coming through from Adobe and uh, who's the other one? Topaz Labs and yeah. various places like that. And, you know, there are many people, many, many very big YouTube channels that only ever use their phone to film their content. Mm. You know, um, mm. a lot of the, the um, YouTubers, the vloggers just use their phones. Is that right? They've stopped yeah, using the, yeah, their you cameras? Can, you can film in 4K on a phone and it will oh, look Well, I know you can, good. but I didn't realise people were... I, I'd always thought it was. Uh, it's always something about the skin that's not quite right on a video. Uh, yeah, well, because it's a, generally processed yeah. in the camera, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you, know? you can't so, do much with it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, print-wise, don't know. I mean, I I remember printing something from my one of my iPhones that I had. This would have been like an iPhone four or five years and years ago, and I printed it maybe a four. What's what's the one up from A four? What's just bigger than A four? A three. A three. Is there an A? Is there an A yeah. three? Okay, A three. Four to three to two to one. Yeah, and uh, and that looked fine. Mm. Um, so that was a long time ago, and I'm sure you can print reasonably well from them, uh, if you so mm. wish. I, for me, there's no fun, there's no enjoyment, there's no the, the creativity of it is not in in it for me. Um, I do take a lot of pictures on my phone, but mostly they are, you know, family snaps, memories, you know, screenshots, grabs, pictures of the um, Wi-Fi code on the back of the Wi-Fi router mm. because it's mm. downstairs and I need it upstairs, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Have you be honest with me? Have you ever ever used your your smartphone, whether it's iPhone or or um, or Android, in any way, shape, or form for some professional work? Yes. What? So the very last wedding I shot, which was um, in October, COVID wedding for a friend of mine, um, it was at the Four Seasons in Doggersfield, Dogmersfield, Dogmersfield, yeah. Dogmasfield, Dogmasfield, whatever. Dog, Dogmasfield um, is probably something very, very, very different. Anyway, I, I... Have you been to Dogmasfield? know that place. Not since last and, Sunday. <laughs> and there's a there's a very long road that leads up to it, a beautiful, yes, beautiful place. It yes, it is, yeah. And I wanted to get a wide shot of the hotel from a distance. Oh, right. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. It was private road. I, I drove. I carried on driving and took a picture of it with, with my when my left hand was good and working in those days, uh, with my um, my Huawei Huawei, and just just took a snap and and that made the that made the album. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. and and when you processed it, did you uh, were you able to make it or meld it with everything else? Yeah, it looked slightly different. I have to say that the edit of it, but but yeah, no, it was fine. And um, you know, because I, it's so far away, this view. There was I was thinking. Well, I've got two choices. I can, I can, you know, come at walk all the way back here and and you know get my camera out and do it all properly. It'll be dark when I leave, so I won't be able to do it then. Uh, or I can just 
flip my phone out and take a take a shot now which is what i did but that's the only time a lot of news footage these days comes via iphones and smart well smartphones of every every flavor um what was it? Was it fifty percent? Um, one news agency I was talking to recently, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 chief exec of it said, uh, "Yeah, about fifty percent of the stuff we have uh, agency-wise now going out is user-generated um, content, is what they call it, isn't it?" And yeah. uh, and and generally that comes off of a phone. Yeah. It's, it's what they call citizen journalism, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. why you always see at the bottom of every single BBC article is, "Were you here? Please send us your pictures." And then there's like a read these terms and conditions. We can do what we want with these pictures. We can sell them. We can make money at them. We can stick them on a back of a bottle of milk, and you can't get anything. Well, I think they do get money, but not much. I don't, I don't know. think so. Not for the citizen journalism stuff. If you submit something for something specific. But not not the uh, yeah. not the other stuff. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But the phones are yeah capable. I can't answer the question about prints. To be totally yeah. honest with you, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to print professional stuff from it. I have to say. Yeah, I mean he's but doing snapshots of the family. Do. I certainly think an A4 coming out of a 12 Pro Max or what I've seen and heard and and the videos that I've watched about it. I have an 8 Plus at the moment. I've missed I've missed a generation there. Um, I, I didn't go for the ten. Was there an eleven? I can't even remember now. But um, but but um, I, I've kept hold of my eight plus, which I love um, because of the audio quality for for the recordings I make for audio, which mm. is perfectly good enough. You know, the interesting thing about audio on a, on, on the phones is there's, there's a lot of journalists um, from some very large broadcasting corporations that are very happy to use their their iPhones um, with a, a wind um, sock on them or. Um, you know, uh, dead cat as they call them, so that uh, and they use them for yeah. in, they use yeah they use them for interviewing. Um, mm. very, very well, good. you know what? I, I'm sick to death of my phone now. I have to say, I, you know, just smartphones. And and actually, my contract is up very soon, and they're already kind of you know get a new iPhone 12. It's you know you just have to pay 75 pound a month for the, for the next four years. And I'm like, nope, I am going to when my contract's up, I'm going to go to Voxy, which is 10 pound a month. Uh, similar to GifGaf, but on the Vodafone network, I'm going to give my phone to um, probably Rosa, and I'm going to get one of those old phones that doesn't have any of the shenanigans on it. Are Just you a sure? Phone, Are you a phone sure? that makes phone calls and does texts. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Well, you're becoming a proper minimalist, aren't you? I'm bailing out of it. Yeah. I can see a minimalist Kev Mullins channel coming. I have retired from the world. I'm living as a hermit. I'll in, probably only last about ten minutes. Yeah, but, and you'll yeah. get you'll get a twelve. Yeah, that about that twelve. How much well, no, do you want? <laughs> I was thinking about it, and the only thing I'll miss, the only I, honestly, and I'm serious about this, I think the only thing I'll miss is um, my chess game. Oh yeah, you do like playing that, don't you? Yeah, my online chess. I yeah. like that. I would miss Candy Crush tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm honest. I'm on level three hundred and something now, nearly four hundred. <laughs> anyway come on we're gonna need, need right to come on let's go for the interview um this is jenny can you tell us anything more about jenny mccall before we um before we play it uh well yeah so jenny uh, you'll hear it in the interview of course but jenny is a music photographer but she you know she travels the world with if you look on her instagram you know she's got like behind the scenes pictures of you know ellie golden and westlife concerts and stuff like that she goes to all the festivals and she's a you know she's a kind of fly on the wall documentary style photographer for bands but beyond that she makes beautiful portraits shoots yeah, film yeah. Oh, and oh. she's just a jolly nice person i met her you know a few times at the snap festival uh laura babs festival uh, and i remember thinking at the time you know i did that terrible thing back in the day when you meet somebody and you you, you know don't know who they are or, or what they do and uh you know just just kind of assumed that 
um, she was one of the um, attendees rather than, you know, nice. one of the speakers. Oh, no. And, and I'm trying to think back now, but I, I'm not even sure whether she was speaking or not. But anyway, I didn't, you know, it was only, it was months later where I, you know, I, I saw some of her pictures come up on Facebook and I was like, oh, my God, these are incredible. Oh, Absolutely no. incredible. She didn't tell you then? Well, no, I can't. It was very, it was a, you know, the Snap Festival is, is five days in a forest with um, cameras and, and alcohol and chatting. So it, it, was, it was quite a bit of a blur. Great, great festival, Snap Festival, yeah, um, if Laura yeah. ever does it again. But uh, yeah, so I didn't know. And it also, it was like five years ago. So, uh, but anyway, I did finally reach out to her and uh, we got the interview. How are you at the moment? What, what's uh, where are you physically? London still, or yeah? So I'm in I'm in East London and uh, been been here since the start of lockdown. Um, but yeah, it's it's all right. It's been been odd experiencing um, coronavirus sort of in a city, but um, good as well. It's 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 been nice getting to explore my my area a bit more and spend more time at home and things. So for those of you that don't know Jenny, um, she is a well, wonderful music photographer, like I said, and I think probably the dream job, the, the job that many of us would have dreamt of uh, all our lives, uh, getting to go um, on tour with bands and uh, festivals and all that kind of stuff. Now, you know, Jenny, it, there can't be many people that, that have a job like that, I don't think. How did, how has this happened? How have you ended up being a, a music photographer that travels around the world? I don't know. Um, no, <laughs> it's, uh, it all started when I was 18 and I basically decided that I was going to be a music photographer. I had like really no, no right deciding that, but uh, I had it decided in my head. And um, this band that I was into followed me on Twitter, and I remember seeing that they were they were coming over to the UK for the first time. They were an American band, um, and I just DM'd them, was like, "Hi, do you fancy having a tour photographer? Here's my Flickr account with photos of my family." And they were like, "Yeah, come on tour." Um, <laughs> so I skipped like a week of school. <laughs> Um, and went on tour for two weeks and it was very, very grimy, a lot of sleeping on people's floors. I actually got um, like pneumonia in the last couple of days. It was, yeah, pretty gritty, but uh, it was also like the best thing at the time that I, I thought had ever happened to me. And I finally felt like I'd, I'd found the thing I was supposed to be doing and the people I was supposed to be with. And yeah, so I was very lucky that um, I was able to stay at home and I just went to gigs like four or five times a week these small local gigs um and just shot bands um and then would like email them after and be like here's the photos i took i'd love to take portraits of you and was just basically harassing people all the time to let me take their photo um, until eventually someone started paying me for it. So it's about as rock and roll uh, introductory story as you can get, as well, isn't it? Really? You know? <laughs> yeah, I just emailed them and they said, "Yeah, cool, come along." Your website. Um, now I have to admit that I, you know I've, I've follow you on Instagram and I look at all your lovely work on Instagram, and, and until I kind of thought about calling you up and interviewing you, I hadn't really looked at your website. And your your website is is probably one of the simplest websites I've seen, but also one of the most powerful websites I've seen. I love it. Yeah. Uh, two words, uh, portfolio and contact, loads of lovely pictures and, uh, you know, and a little tiny bit about you, which I think is, is brilliant. And for me, I think the, that very first picture that comes up, the black and white one of the three, uh, the three women, I think they're laughing, giggling away. Yeah. Um, now you wrote something on Instagram about that picture and, uh, you know, kind of 
piqued my attention a little bit because I think it's this world we live in. I don't want to kind of um, separate men from women or anything, but I would imagine it's quite a hard world for you um, in terms of doing the job that you do. Mm. Do you do you find that? Am I totally misreading it? Is it is it a challenge? No, it's um, no. You're right. It is. I mean, the music industry is um, famously a very, very sexist um, industry. And I, I get it less so nowadays because, um, I mean, it's, it's less me chasing people that I want to work with and more, pe- more people coming to me. Mm. Um, but definitely back in the day, I would have bands who were like, yeah, we want you to come shoot our shows, but we don't want to take you on tour because we don't like having girls on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I definitely had all of the you all the experiences of people who were creepy in mm. bands or security guards not taking me seriously I mean that still happens um on the Westlife tour I remember there was one venue um maybe in Newcastle where they just like couldn't wrap their heads around that they had like a female photographer and um every time that I would like try to go from uh, the sound desk back to the photo pit at the front of the stage. Uh, Cause I, mo- I move around the venue a lot when I shoot and um, they just would make me wait. And then the head of security would have to come and then like radio me back in. And I was like, you've seen me walking around all day. I have the triple A pass. You're letting like, you know, any man that walks past you with a triple A pass, like come in left, right and center. No one else is having this issue. Yeah. Um, so like clearly it's uh, the fact that I'm a young woman and you, you can't fathom that I'm here as anything serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully that, like you said, it does seem to be changing. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the reason why I brought that up was because the music industry is typically renowned for that kind of um, yeah. behavior, I guess. So, you know, I think it's amazing that you're you're doing what you're doing. And, and you, you alluded to this just then, actually, this this idea of I travel around the venue a lot at, at each gig. And, and that's one of the things I love about your pictures. You've got you kind of got pictures on the stage behind the uh, the bands. Then you're down in the pit. And then there's pictures from right at the back of the auditorium, these beautiful wide pictures. Um, and it must be amazing. It must must just be such a buzz to do that. Do you still get the buzz when you're doing it? Yeah, totally. Especially if it's um, someone I'm touring with. Um, it, it Because you are you get to know these people and so you have this sort of odd emotional attachment to the people on stage as well as the music. So it's sort of, um, basically it becomes almost like larger than life. Somehow Mm. it becomes so much more meaningful. Um, so yeah, the adrenaline and the excitement and the, the joy of all of it is, is pretty overwhelming, especially, um, when I, when I have artists who I work with over a long period of time, um, like a, there's a band called Half Moon Run who we have worked together for probably coming up five years now. Um, I started working with them very on in my career, early on in my career, and um, we've done several tours, uh, both in the UK and, and vast, far-flung places abroad as well. And uh, I never get bored of seeing them play. I must have seen them play like well over 100 times now, and they're just, every time I get goosebumps. What what happens on the day? So let's just say you're, I don't know, you're going on tour with Ellie Goulding or Westlife or, you know, some other big name like that. Uh, the, the morning, you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you pack your bags and you get your cameras. And, and what, what happens? You just meet them by the bus or what's what's the what's the, the logistics of going on, on tour with a band? Yeah. So normally with um, 
when there's slightly bigger productions, we will there'll be a few days before tour in a either in a venue or a like a sound space um, where people will practice like the actual production and the lighting and it'll, it'll be like a run through. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time I'll go down and shoot that as well and we sort of will stay um, like in a hotel nearby or uh, actually my, my parents sort of seem to live near a lot of those sort of studios so I end up staying there um, if I'm if, you know if I'm working one of those and then uh, yeah at some point the, the tour bus shows up and we all load our stuff onto it and you know cool dibs on bunks and um, away we go. Wow. And what's the longest period of time you've been away? Um, I think consistently it was ooh, maybe like two and a half months. Um, yeah, I'm, I normally like manage to come home in between things. Um, and I think a lot of artists nowadays, like don't want to do, you know, like a six month tour with no, no sleep. It's just not as big a thing anymore. I think mental health and physical health is becoming a lot more important in the music industry, which is really needed. Um, and I think there's more, more call for people to, for for artists to say they want to stay in places for a bit, um, and just rest and, you know, sort of reset a little bit between tours so that they can, um, really be the best they can be on stage. I was looking through your Instagram again yesterday and I came across this picture of, uh, I think it was Ellie Goulding at the Peter Crouch show. Was that right? Is that what I saw? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Show. No, there, there's a combination I never thought I'd see. Ellie Goulding on the Peter Crouch show. But what interested me about the picture was the uh, that you shot it on film. It was a lovely, lovely picture. So how much do you shoot film these days? And you can see it's a passion of yours. And, you know, is there is there a place for film in, in your uh, commercial work as well? Yeah, I'm so I've been shooting film for all my personal stuff for quite a while um and I am trying to introduce it more into my commercial stuff I actually like last week a week before I did two artist press shoots and I shot um the majority of them on film um which is the first time I've, I've done that um I've always been a bit too nervy um and you know I did that thing where I shot larger on digital and shot a few frames on film and I was like I always prefer the film frames and just wish I sort of had the balls to just uh shoot it all on film and be like and then have a few digitals to be the backup so that's what we did this time around and um it yeah the photos are beautiful I I love shooting on film for me it was it's um I know everyone's always like oh you know it makes me slow down it makes me consider my work more and it like it it does all of that but um for me it's also there's something like more tangible about film and it's so beautiful and it just seems to render everything so much better um I'll often when I shoot digital and film side by side I'll use the film as like a color reference um and then edit to the film like I'll I'll retouch the color grade the film a little bit but then I'll like use it as my main reference to do the digital work so I'm trying to bring it in more um, it's not as easy with touring stuff, um, and not always as easy on commercial stuff either. Cause a lot of it has a very tight turnaround. Um, mm. so touring, I basically, the photos have to be delivered by the next morning. So that, that's not really possible. Um, unless you are like a very quick dark room worker in a venue bathroom. But, mm. um, honestly, I'm usually a bit too tired to do that. And it's, it's all a bit, uh, 
fiddly and it's just I don't know just not not something that I've been able to to manage doing and are um, you processing your own film I am not I tried but my bathroom is really warm um, <laughs> uh, and it makes me feel very very sick after like 20 minutes of being in there so it's just not working for me yeah. right now um, and I have the very wonderful um, labyrinth film lab who are like a 30 minute bike ride away um, so I just go and deliver it to them and they do their magical wondrous things and send it all back to me. Has there ever been a day when you've woken up and thought oh, I really do not want to go and do this job today um, specifically with the, mu- the music stuff? Oh that yeah. never happen? No, 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 totally. That totally happens. I mean, it is like a, it's an amazing job and I'm very grateful to have it. Um, but it's still a job some days. Um, and also the thing with the thing with music and especially touring and things like that is it's, it's all fine and good if you have a long relationship with an artist. Mm. But when you're meeting someone for the first time, you are not only meeting like the artist, you are meeting their entire crew. So you often like I've had so many times where I've gotten onto a bus of like 30 people and been like I don't know anyone and I you all have formed as a unit and like this touring family and I've just somehow like now integrate myself into it it's almost like being in high school again and trying to trying to like play along with the cool kids and be like friends and and try and fit your way into it so you have to be sort of outgoing you have to be um trying to figure out who everyone is and like what role they play and um you have to be sort of it's a real test of your like emotional intelligence to some degree because you're you're trying to figure out all the relationships and all the um hierarchies and stuff that are going on and uh you know some days I'm just like I'm very tired I don't want to do that that's that's a lot it's taking a lot out of me to to walk onto a set and introduce myself to a bunch of people um Mm. yeah I did a um straight after we came out of lockdown I did a a live stream with an artist um, at the Natural History Museum, which was amazing that I hadn't like been around people properly, like p- apart from my flatmates for, you know, four months or whatever it was that we were in lockdown. And suddenly I walked onto the set that literally had about a hundred people on it. And I was like, I, this is a lot. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and it was amazing, but I'd never worked with anyone in that room before. I'd never met any of them, hadn't worked with the artists before. So it was um, it was incredibly overwhelming for someone that's, you know, not really spoken to anyone apart from their two flatmates for four months. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, you have days like that where it's just a lot. And I have days on tour where, you know, things go wrong, where I feel really tired or feel really ill. Um, <clears throat> and you just sort of want the show to be over. But uh, the moment it starts, like, it's always great. Do you class yourself as a music photographer? Would that be on your business card if you had one? Um, no, interestingly, I'm sort of um, changing it because uh, I want to diversify a bit. Um, so I have um, two chronic illnesses um, and realistically will not be able to tour forever, and nor do I want to tour forever. So I am... The buzzword at the moment, pivoting, uh, and I, I've always wanted to go into more sort of commercial things. Like my dream is always to shoot like a, a Nike women's campaign. Um, and still, I still want to shoot stuff that feels incredibly emotive, and I would still love to work with artists. But I'm definitely moving away from it. And I had a very good uh, meeting with a 
woman who's a, a sort of photography mentor and, and guidance person. Um, and she was talking to me about my portfolio and having me explain it back to her. And she was like, you're, you sell yourself as a music photographer, but you're actually a people photographer. What interests you is, is people and the intimacy and like the vulnerability of humans. Um, and she, she's totally right. Like that is absolutely what I'm interested in and what drives me. It just happens to be that a lot of that falls in the artist category, like artists are so um, emotive and and um, there's a lot to like dig in there. So that's sort of where I've always been attracted to. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of working on, it's funny you talked about my website as well because that's, that's going to change. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sort of working more on being a, I am a portrait photographer, I guess, at the core of it, um, but I happen to work in the music industry. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I purposely asked that question because, uh, you know, when I look at your work, it's whilst perhaps music is what pays the bills, it's definitely there's more emotion in the other, not not more in those other pictures, but there's more, there's other pictures that also have that same emotion, I should say, mm. you know, and, and like you say, the kind of study of people and everything. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's just really is beautiful. And, and you know, I was talking to Neil the other day about your Instagram and we were both kind of scrolling up and down going, wow, look at that. Look at that. It's amazing. Oh. Right. We're coming to the end. I'm going to ask you two very quick fire questions. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too dramatic. Don't worry. If you could only have one camera in the whole world for the rest yeah. of your life, what would it be? Can I pick one digital and one film? Uh, no, it has to be one. Oh. Same as the rules. Doesn't matter what brand or anything. I would pick uh, the Nikon D810. D810. Okay, cool. Is that the one yeah. you do most of your work with? Your your um, kind of fast work, I should say. Yeah, it's just really, I have like a, a weird emotional attachment to it. Um, even though I've technically got, I guess, the upgrade from that. I have the 850 and things, but the A10 sort of still has my heart. Uh, and I've thrown it downstairs and, uh, you know, off of stages and things like that. And it's still a beast. And I just, I really love it as a, as a camera. So um, I'd have to go with that. Yeah. Good. Well, sometimes cameras have stories to tell as well, don't they, I think. So the final question then is, what advice would you give to an 18-year-old Jenny now? Oh if you were God. starting out again, what would it be? Don't worry so much about uh, what other people think of you. Just um, definitely, like, give less fun. And if ever there were a bumper sticker worthy end to an interview, that would be it. Of course, we'll have links to Jennifer McCord, the website, on the show page at fujicast.co.uk. You can also find a link there to find out more about Sprout Studio. And as we're talking about music photography, after you've finished listening to this podcast, and if you're into your music and photography together, you'll definitely want to hear the interview on the Photography Daily podcast, available on all podcast players and online at photographydaily.show. As I talk today with Hollywood celeb A-list portrait photographer Michael Greco, who's just produced a superb, gritty coffee table book about the punk and new wave period he photographed during 13 years in New York and Boston. Find out about the book, find out about him, and find out who he's talking about here. Um, I photographed him and he wouldn't stand up unless I found him some cocaine. He, he, I'd photograph him the second time in a studio and he'd complain about the last time. And he's, <laughs> He loves to rant. Stories of life told by photographers. It's the Photography Daily Podcast. And today it's a real celebration and story of sex, drugs and rock and roll. Right, back to your questions. Are you ready for a miserable outlook one, Kev? We've had what would happen if you, you two carked it. 
<laughs> so, should we follow up with this with, with this one? Luke Bailey, thanks for your mail. Bit of a miserable outlook question. Maybe an important one, all the less, though. Nonetheless, all the less. If shorter and smaller wedding days are to become the norm for the next year or two, is being a full-time solely wedding-based photographer a viable... Don't you use that word viable. I've had enough of our Chancellor using it. Business... Pivot. Pivot, pivot. In twenty twenty viable. They're the words I don't like. <laughs> That's it. Twenty 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 one. I don't like new normal either, put together with a hyphen. As as you mentioned previously, we may be back to the days where uh, two weddings a day becomes a thing. Although as an eighties baby, I don't have any recollection recollection of that personally. Uh, twenty twenty down uh, as the year to switch from IT to full time photography with weddings as the foundation. But I'm having to rethink which direction to go in now. Still want to use photography as my career of choice, but maybe weddings aren't the most dependable source of revenue over portraits and family work that they once were. Is it possible that a jack of all trades approach is going to be more profitable going forward? Question mark. Kev. Why me? <laughs> well, I have a totally different outlook to you, so um, we're going to have two different answers to this. Well, I, I'm not sure we have a totally different outlook. I think, um, well, there's, there's two elements, isn't there, right? So there are plenty of people already, even before the new normal pivot in unviable times, were, who were making very good money from being jacks of all trades. Yeah. Plenty of people. Yeah. So there's absolutely n- nothing wrong with it. And there is a, you know, footprint in the sand already for people who do that. Um, for us who have been specifically wedding photographers, then I think it might be a little bit more difficult. It doesn't mean that it's, it's wrong. I, you know, I've done commercial work recently, uh, well, before this lockdown. And, um, you know, I've taken on other bits and pieces in terms of mentoring and various bits and pieces like that, web stuff and what have you. So, you know, you, you've got to do what you need to do. But I do believe that when it comes to, you know, marketing yourself, if the long term plan is to go back to being a wedding photographer, then I think you might do yourself a disservice if you suddenly, from an overall marketing point of view, become an all-things photographer. Uh, if the long-term plan is to, you know, to carry on doing that route, then yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. And we've all got to, we've all got to dig holes and you know throw the sand over our shoulder somehow. It's really hard because none of us know how this is going to end, and it's going to be different in different countries. You know, we we've just passed over the what is it, fifty thousand deaths? Only the fifth country in the yeah, entire world that's yeah, gone over that. Not good. And you know, that's that's not a good thing. And then you mm. look at places like Australia, New Zealand, and a lot of the Asian countries where they've dealt with it very differently, and and they've had different responses. Mm. And you know, so I I think for me, you know, putting my cards on the table, this has been a uh, a good time for me to reevaluate and. Can I honestly say that in 2022, because I don't think 2021 is is a, a year that we can kind of base this on, I will be making 80% of my income from wedding photography? No. Probably not. No. And that's that's going to be born from what I'm going to have to do yeah. to get to get through that route. And uh, you know, that that that's fine with me. As, as long as I can, uh, as long as I can get some flight sim tokens for Albie and you know, <laughs> some horse food for Rosa, not for her, but for a horse. Yeah. Well, maybe, a couple maybe of bandages for my legs and uh, arms. And- maybe we're not so far, really, from from each other in that respect, then. But mm. um, I, I, I certainly, I mean, I, I, as you know, I'm uh, I've been I've been redesigning my website for now. How long? I feel like Arsenal in transition. 
<laughs> we will be there soon. Um, th- this week is the week I've put aside to finally get it done. But the website is certainly going to change. It will, it will, it will have a very strong wedding presence. Of course it will. But I, I am going to have commercial stuff on there. And I know some people say you should not have the both on the same site. But I really think it depends uh, on how you, how you present it. Um, as to whether you can or whether it looks a bit... Because I know there are some commercial people that say, oh, no, it looks a bit small time, don't you think? And I think that's more that's saying more about them than it does about the people in the commercial world. Yeah, I mean, my take, and, and this is... I'm pretty unwavering with, from this with a mark, from a marketing point of view. This mm. is something that I've always been told and, mm. and I've read it a billion times. Be a specialist. No, 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 not so much be a specialist. But when it comes to your website and your branding, your marketing mm. overall... The percentage of your content and your your uh, forward place in marketing should be based on what you're doing. So let's just say eighty percent. You want eighty percent of your business to be weddings and twenty percent to be commercial. Hypothetically, then eighty percent of your website should be weddings. Twenty percent should be commercial. Eighty percent of your Instagram perhaps would be weddings and twenty percent commercial. Um, eight out of ten times you answer the phone and say Neil James wedding photographer twice you answer it and say Neil James commercial photographer um, you know so you, you get the idea and that and that's a long-standing marketing paradigm from way before the internet came mm-hmm. along way before covid came along and uh, you know that's that's something that I I, I, I firmly believe in um, I do think that if you're shooting you know if you still want to get a majority of work from weddings and you have 50 50 percent on your website then for a start google's going to start getting mis- mixed messages mm-hmm. and you're you know you're you're basically saying to google oh, i don't know i want you to, to rank me for both and it'll just go okay we will but we'll rank you for both a little bit lower mm. than we would have ranked one higher mm. so there's all that going on um but the actual fact is you can only do so much work right and the royal you that is and it's 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 got to be, you know, there's that terrible term, isn't there? Throw as much mud at the wall and see what sticks. I don't think you can do that in public. I don't think you can just stick a tab on your website and say, I'm a baby photographer and here's a picture of a baby. Because you're not. That you're not. You're you're somebody who's built a page on oh, your website no, I, that says I think you're a baby it, photographer. Yeah, I think it needs to show a cohesive body of work. Yeah. And it can't be just a couple of images, you know, like horses, dogs, cats, baby photography, boudoir, weddings. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I mean. And, and you know, that, that's where we're at. We all need to pivot. Yeah, but not pivot that much. <laughs> no, exactly. But be, just yeah. be careful how you pivot because yeah. you might fall down the stairs like me. <laughs> <laughs> and like Kev, you can also offer pictures of Doggersfield. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Is it dog, Dogmersfield? Dogmersfield, yeah. Oh, Kev. Right. Kids are now going, what does he mean, Mum? What's he laughing at? Never mind. It's okay. Yeah. Um, What are you on about, by the way? I don't... (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Let's let's look at Kev's book of the week. What a good time to change tack. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now I need to put my straight face on because this is an important body of work. Right. Um, So this is... The the book I have this week is called Hidden Hidden Lens by Emmy Andries. Oh, okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. And uh, it's beautiful. Another black and white hard hardback book. Um, it's kind of edited by uh, somebody called Louise Baring. It's available on Amazon. Usual kind of thing, about twenty five pounds or so. Now, I've I've had this book. I bought this book 
several years ago and i've looked at it several times but i've never really looked into the background of the photographer interestingly and uh it, you know there's a little bit on the on the back cover on the inside cover of the book that says um though she survived the war andreas feared she would die before she reached 40 like oh. her own mother wow. it was this premonition that in part fueled her eagerness for living and eagerness for photography seeing experiencing suffering and enjoying no the premonition was true because she actually died at the age of 39 wow. from uh, cancer that's terrible so she was a um photographer who, and she's a Dutch photographer, um, and uh, throughout the World War Two, and she, the, the book itself is kind of a combination of work, um, beautiful portraits. Um, just flip in there again. It's difficult because you're not here, so I can't show you the pictures. No. Um, for example, on page seventy-eight, it's it's one of those lovely books where you have. Uh, the page on the right-hand side is the image, and then the simple description is on the left. I oh, love I that. Love that yeah. uh, mother and children, hunger, winter, Amsterdam, 1944 to 45. Very poignant work because a lot of this stuff was, of course, during the time of the, well, the occupation, um, wouldn't it? Occupation. Uh, Holocaust, yeah. occupation, yeah. all of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, And there's a lot of there's a, a it's all in English, even though she's Dutch. And there's there's a lot of. Um, uh, Dutch connotations in there in terms of you know how how she lived her life and the the book I suppose the text is written by Louise Bowring like it says but the images are are, are really they're your everyday things that like like we keep saying this idea of just taking pictures of everyday stuff you know so for example there's a picture on page 159 of a kosher butcher, uh, Rue de Rossier in uh, the Marais, Paris, circa 1950. And for all intents and purposes, in those days, this was just a butcher's, a kosher butcher. But, you know, so it's it's a it's a picture of this, this butcher shop. Now, it's in a book now, you know, all this time later, it's in an exhibition because it's uh, nostalgic. You know, in uh, those days, yeah. people would walk past this window every day of the week. And it also and, took on a different connotation being due in the occupation. Absolutely, of course. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is 1950. That picture was taken. But oh, yeah, the, sorry, the right, principle okay, of the right. book is that is that era. But it's interesting what she said in the in the in the uh, in the back. You know, as I just said, it she, her eagerness for seeing, experiencing, suffering, and enjoying. And you know that that I think is summed up in the pictures. You get that. I you get this very melancholic work. I think. Um, but seeing and experiencing. You know, how many times have we talked about this idea of a photographer is just, you know, the thing that you, being a photographer is the, is the technique. It's what you see really is, is yeah. the talent, I think. Um, and that comes out well in this book. So Emmy Andries, uh, Hidden Lens, I will, of course, link to it on the much ignored FujiCast. <laughs> it's not so ignored now. Website. I think every time, every time you say that, more people go to it, don't they? Yes. Well, yeah. I will keep saying it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So, um, I will uh, put the link to it there, of course, and um, yeah, enjoy. It's a it's a really nice book. I always remember my uh, my un uncle Jan. I don't think it was a real uncle. You know how you don't you have real and not real uncles. And what I was his name? Jan. Jan. Yes, Jan. Um, he was Dutch, and oh, um, he my my mum's best friend at school um, married who was Daphne married Jan, and um, and we used to have family holidays with him. Do you remember holidays when we used to go away and do stuff? Do you remember those, Kev? Vaguely. Holiday. 
And we went on this holiday to Newquay, and we um, two families had this house. We had a nice sort of cottage overlooking the, the bay. It was beautiful. Uh, but Jan um, had grown up during the occupation, and um, he had some very firm ideas about food because food shortages. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean that was very much on the on the minds of all those that lived in those occupied countries. You you didn't waste food at all. And I remember leaving a boiled egg. <laughs> we had isn't it weird? This is very young memory. A, bo- a boiled egg and soldiers. It was a very Eng- uh, British thing. If if you've uh, you know American thing, it was still a boiled egg and soldiers. Basically a boiled egg, and then you you cut your toast into into long lengths, don't you? And you dip it in. Yeah, dippy yeah. egg. And um, I left. I think half my egg or something. He went absolutely loopy mm. and tore me off. A, it was a real family problem, actually, because my mum and dad couldn't quite understand why this Uncle Jan was having such a go at me until it was explained afterwards that, you know, he never... I tell you what, Jan's plate, Uncle Jan's plate, you could, you could eat off that plate again without having to wash it, mm. <laughs> even if it had gravy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, I think that's right. My nana was similar. You know, she, I, we used to, I remember vividly going to Marks and Spencer's. This would have been in the mid-80s and yeah. go to the cafe, uh, which was very posh for Newport to have a cafe in a shop. And uh, wouldn't buy anything in the cafe. She'd pull out her uh, fat sandwiches. <laughs> so and I'm not joking. Sandwiches <laughs> made out with fat in the middle. Oh, actual fat? Yeah. No. That was the filling. Really? Yeah. Yep. That can't be very good for you. She lived to 95. She did live a long life, yeah. Bless her. <laughs> Keep pushing, she used to say. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure she did. Um, right, Jeremy Baker, portrait tips, please. How do you or what do you do to focus um, if you're wearing spectacles, especially if you're shooting wide open, aperture-wise? Now, I don't wear spectacles when I shoot, Jeremy, so I don't know, really, and I don't think you do either, do you, Kev? But uh, uh, it, it is your question. Is he on about... Is he on about the photographer wearing spectacles or the, the subject wearing spectacles? Um, no, I think the photographer, yeah. The photographer wearing spectacles. Oh, right. Shouldn't uh, be too much of an issue, should it? I mean, are you you know... Well, you get one of those rubber eye cup things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I guess. I, I know. I don't know. I don't wear spectacles and I don't really take portraits. I'm going to put you in the... <laughs> Other than uh, that. <laughs> must, must get big rubber eye cup pile, which is a brand new pile just down there. But before your you question, you see lots of pictures of photographers though with their their specs up. Yeah. you know, on those. Um, didn't Platon when we when we discussed his that Netflix documentary about Platon? I'm sure he was wearing specs, and he would Did always he? have his specs up on his head mm. when he was taking his I pictures. Think you're and right, we'd actually, flop them yeah. down. Yeah, I think you're right. He was ed- uh, reviewing. I'm sure. I think you're right. Yeah. So it's doable. Indy Lehman, Thomas Heaton did a review of the video capabilities of his XT4 on September 27. Um, I did watch the film. Um, are, are his comments a fair assessment of the camera's video capabilities? He was—he wasn't—he uh, wasn't tremendously um, enamoured with it, was he? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't watched the video, so I really don't know. All I know is that, uh, and I don't even have an XT4, so I can't actually say mm. yes, it's good or no, it's not. Mm. But I have seen stuff from people using XT4, and and it's phenomenal. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, yeah. It certainly is capable of being phenomenal. I I'm can't wait to get my hand on that camera. Yeah. When I'm working again, <laughs> this was th- this was going to be the year XT3 to XT4. This was the year, but it's not happened. Mm. It's going to have to be 2024. <laughs> Go on, then, Kev. I think we've got time for one more question. Okay, this is from Mark Dell, and he says, "Good morning, chaps. Yada yada yada. I was watching some videos on the great time waster YouTube. <laughs> time waster." 
uh, about, oh, it's another iPhone question. See, we prepared this perfectly well. But the new iPhone 12 Pro. Uh, obviously, Apple's Apple's obviously Apple have worked wonders with the new camera on its latest phone. Uh, would it work in cameras too? This is a little twist on that previous question. AI working on the image through a setting that is kind of like presets. Uh, is this sacrilege to suggest it? I honestly think that if Fuji did this, they would steal a march on all the manufacturers and perhaps gather a younger audience and fan base. Um, so he's talking about having processing, you know, the AI stuff going on in the camera. Right. Yeah. Um, and there is actually a camera already, I think, in, I want to say Panasonic, but I'm not sure it is. Anyway, it's it's one that it has a basically a cut-down version of Lightroom built into the LCD on the back. No uh, way. Yeah, it's got Android on the camera. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, you know what, Mark? I think that's the way we'll ultimately end up going, I have to say it. Um, the cameras being more, not so much on the processing and, and editing side of things. I think that's that's something slightly different, but certainly more along the lines of doing things that phones can do. Like, uh, you know, again, we've spoke about it before, but when 5G hits, I'd love to see cameras with 5G cards, slots, and, you know, take the picture, it's in your Dropbox. Take the picture, it's in your Dropbox. Yeah. That, that excites me, that kind of thing, from a technological point of view. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think there is there is a there's a merging of technologies going on. What about you? You'd, you'd need to be able to play your chess game on your 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 not oh, your phone on that, your on your. That camera. would be perfect. Imagine that. If yeah. I could play my chess game yeah. on the back of my <laughs> iPro seventeen, yes. uh, then I just I would go back to my Nokia thirty two ten. There we go. Just still have somewhere. <laughs> Do you really still have that one? <laughs> and that's it for another week. If you've liked this week's shows. Uh, then, uh, and, you, and if you think it's relevant, then uh, please make a, uh, an effort to go and leave a review on one of the review sites. That'd be fantastic. If you can share the episode on Twitter or Facebook, you are a star. Uh, see you in the Facebook group for any questions you have about today's show. Play nice, of course. Our moderators, Steve and Peter, they're in there keeping a beady eye out. Still, they are, you know. And of course, I, I think we're running a bit low on the questions now, aren't we, Kev? Every so often, every, every sort of four months or so, we have to remind you to send some questions in. Because otherwise, yeah. it's going to be a very quiet show, isn't it? Yeah, and also, don't forget, if you if you don't want to, if you want to send in anonymous, if you don't want to tell us your name, then you can use the contact form on the uh, Fujicast website. Oh, yeah. And just, just say, you know, don't just don't put your name on it. <laughs> or, or make up a name. Yeah, or make up a name. Yeah, yeah. Kevin well, Mullins. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Daphne Yarn. Daphne Yarn. Da- yeah, Auntie Daphne. And Uncle Jan. Um, send them to, uh, or you can send them to the old, the old-fashioned way, which is click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, thank you to those who are supporting the show by Patreon. You are absolute stars. And uh, as Kev said earlier, we can bump you to the front with your questions. Uh, music is from Blue Wednesday. We're supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. Now, um, earlier on, we were saying you could watch rugby this weekend. Of course, it's a, <laughs> we sometimes forget that we record it on the Friday or the Thursday or something. It goes out on the Monday. It would oh, have been the five rug- weeks of rugby ahead of us. It would have been the rugby. Of the- oh, is it five weeks of it? Yeah. You cannot possibly stretch out your injuries for five weeks, or can you, Kev? Or, and also, it's all on Amazon Prime, which is, I don't have Sky, but I've got Amazon Prime, so I can deal with it. So your next five weeks, that's lockdown sorted for you. Yeah, it's going to be Christmas. (laughs) It's early Christmas for Kev. (laughs) Don't you dare use the C word. Right, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.